All right, our Bible reading today is Matthew chapter 10, from verse 24 to 42. Matthew 10, 24 to 42. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who destroys both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be their own of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives me, pardon me, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophecy word. And the one who receives a righteous person because he's a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Please keep your Bibles open. Great. Welcome, everyone. It's great to see you here. Um, We're told, aren't we, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples, uh, but he has in mind all people and their people who will reject the truth about him or those who will listen to the truth about him. So if you're not a Christian listening into this, it'd be good to have a question in mind as we hear what Jesus is saying. That question is, how do I react to others speaking about Jesus? And the question for the disciples is this, what will stop you from speaking about Jesus? What will stop you from speaking about Jesus? Is it the media? Or a secular culture that tells you to be quiet? Is it that? 
Well, we did see last week that some of those things are in play for the disciples. Jesus predicted they'd be dragged before kings and governors. And in the small groups, we read Acts chapter four and saw it play out exactly as Jesus had said. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's what we'll lose if we if we do speak about him. And if we don't, if we're not quiet, perhaps it's a job or, or reputation. Well, I think we're getting a bit closer there. But if you think about it, neither of those two things, uh, other people or uh, what I'll lose, they can't keep my mouth shut. They can't shut anybody's mouths physically, can they? No, there has to be someone else. And it, it, that person's a little closer to home who alone can keep me quiet. That person is me. It's a fear in me that stops me speaking. And you don't have to look very far at the moment, do you, to see the power of fear. Fear travels far faster than any virus ever could. Fear can make people queue for hours in a car park at two metres apart for groceries. And if left unchecked, fear will stop you and I speaking about Jesus. So three times in verses 26 to 33, if you'd like to look down at that, Jesus says this, do not fear. In verse 26, he says, so have no fear of them. In verse 28, and do not fear those. And then in verse 31, fear not, therefore. Three times he tells them, do not fear. As he did on the boat, I don't know if you remember, following the storm, Jesus wants to interrogate our fear. He asks us about it. Why do you fear? What, what is it that you fear? And he doesn't just tell them not to fear. He gets right to the heart of what they're afraid of. Uh, they're good reasons uh, for fearing these people. And it's first what people will say about them. That's in verses 24 to 26. And second, it's what people will do to them in verses 27 to 31. First, what people will say about them. And second, what people will do to them. And I don't know about you, but those are two big things that I feel where I feel most fearful. Um, and the disciples knew in these areas they were cowards. Let's be honest. They knew they weren't naturally brave but they buckle. So shortly after Peter and John's spirit enabled boldness before the courts that we read about in Acts chapter four, what are they back to doing when they're released? Praying, <laughs> asking God for boldness. If they are to be bold, they know that it won't come from them. It has to come from him. And that's why I'm confident that tonight God will be confronting our fears and will be helping us as we ask him to do that. It's worth saying that this isn't a past or a theoretical reality. It's actually some, in some measure something that affects every single Christian in the world today. So let's look at that first. Do not fear what is said about you in verses 24 to 26. Let me read. So have, uh, Jesus has said, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his master and the servant like his master. Sorry, If they have called the master Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be made known. Jesus starts with the fear of what people will say about them. And these aren't just anybody. These are the ones that everybody's listening to. To many of the disciples, these religious leaders had been childhood heroes. They knew how to win the crowd and turn the crowd. After all, that's what their own religious show was all about. 
the approval of others. They represented the popular opinion. And so they, they're looked to as the authority on what's trending and what's trash. And what are they saying about this Jesus bloke? Well, they're calling him Beelzebub. They're actually saying he is Beelzebub. Uh, a pagan god or even Satan himself. Uh, I think Jesus has put his finger on here on what I fear most. I fear big time what people will say about me. And actually, if you think about it, it's not hard to misrepresent someone. All you need to do is draw a big conclusion from a particular, a particular event. And you make others do the same. You misrepresent someone. A good example of this, I don't know if you saw a picture uh, in America. It went big on the news. Uh, it was of a, uh, a young, two young boys in red uh, Donald Trump caps uh, with a sort of a, an Af uh, red Indian man, an uh, older man, and they were looking like they were shouting at the man. And this uh, picture went online. And quite quickly, everyone was saying, this is exactly what's wrong with the world. These white nationalists are abusing this old man and being racist. That's what they saw. And yet, actually, quite quickly, those who slammed the individual online had to learn that, the, that actually he'd started the abuse. And there was a video that was released that showed that he'd started the abuse on these boys. And they were trying their best to be patient and not to retaliate. And uh, it's a good example of uh, how quickly uh, the lie will spread. And yet it's also a good example, isn't it, of how quickly uh, the truth will come out. And that's what Jesus is saying, isn't it, in, in, in his reason for not uh, fearing what people will say about you. He says, for nothing that will be uh, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will be not be made known. He's saying that however scathing and defamatory and dangerous these accusations are that are flying around, uh, it won't be long before they come to light and people can actually see their there's no substance to them at all. It was only half the story. He doesn't tell us how long that will be, but he does say it will happen. And if you think about it, um, that's one of the things that's so painful about this injustice, isn't it? That it feels at the time that it's never going to end. Uh, and, and yet Jesus is saying there is an end to it. It's only for a time. Uh, you, don't you won't have this forever. They won't. What, what's believed about you now is, is not always going to be believed. The true representation will be clearly seen. And what's been maliciously withheld uh, will be made known. Uh, if you read any of the Psalms, uh, some of the ones that Barry was reading, this was King, King David's comfort. When he faced loads of persecution, he speaks about it in the Psalms. In the end, his trust was God. Who, uh, and when he was being viewed unfairly or accused. And it was in the God who would vindicate him. Um, and, 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 and he would be shown to be the one in the right. For now, they can say whatever they want, but they won't be able to say it forever. The second thing then, do not fear what they'll do to you. That's in verses 27 to 31. Let me read that. Well, I tell you in the dark, say in the light and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the, in the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. 
Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. We might find it hard to imagine here and today, but the likelihood of the disciples being put to death was high. For blasphemy claims, uh, the penalty was stoning. And actually, that's what happened to a lot of the disciples. They got put to death. And these are the same religious leaders who will try to kill Jesus long before they managed to get on the cross. And for many of the world's Christians today, speaking about Jesus openly is like drawing a massive target on their back. But staggeringly, in verse 28, Jesus said, do not fear those who kill the body. Do not fear them. And he gives us two good reasons. The first reason is they can kill the body, but not the soul. There's someone who who can both kill the body and, and send the soul to hell. And that is God himself. So in terms of who you fear, fear him more. Rightly fear him because he is the one who can do that. Um, and yet, as we see in the next couple of verses, in verse 29, he, it says this. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Are not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? So a sparrow can't even fall to the ground without his say so. He ultimately decides what happens not them. And in verse 31, he says, actually, your hairs are numbered. Uh, that, George, that's, that's you as well. Um, Fear not, therefore, you are of ma- more value than many sparrows. So God is saying um, you're of great value to him. So, so fear the one who could send you to hell. And yet he ultimately decides what happens to you. And you are of great value to him. So Jesus is saying that's that's the truth that really ultimately uh, gives us our confidence and our our value. They might be trying to devalue us and they will. But God says, I value you. And then the second bit, which I think is what we'll land on today, is um, in verse 32 to 33. And it comes up again later in verses 37 to 38. I'll read verse 32. It says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. So it confirms any rejection confirms that they belong to him. Okay, everyone who acknowledges me, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. It confirms that they belong to him. And so far from actually um, showing us to be uh, crazy or, or completely uh, off, off, off the mark, it actually shows that we have, uh, that we belong to Jesus. It's a confirmation of that. Um, and remember, we're thinking of the rejection that comes from speaking about him, about Jesus, not just, you know, for not loading the dishwasher or something. It's, it's a rejection that comes from not from speaking about Jesus. Uh, Jesus puts before us what the Father says about us and what he will do. And it's the exact opposite of what we're experiencing from others. So he says, are you being ignored by those who don't like the fact that you're a Christian? Well, know that God will acknowledge you. The Father will acknowledge you. If you're feeling ignored, if you're feeling shunned, God will acknowledge you. Are you feeling pushed out or excluded? Know that he draws you in. For believers, the sting for speaking of Jesus actually just confirms that he acknowledges them. 
That's what we see. It confirms that they belong to him. Uh, but Jesus does say that the opposite will be true as well. In verses 33, he says, uh, but whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father who is in heaven. So actually, not wanting to be seen for being a Christian will also reveal those who never really belong to him in the first place. Those who don't want to be counted among him and in his suffering, then they don't belong to him. And Jesus is saying that. He picks up that same thread in verses 37 to 38 so that you can see it again. He says this, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Jesus says this suffering for, for, for speaking about him actually is a mark of a Christian, someone who does belong to him. And it only shows that he will acknowledge them. Um, so don't see suffering as uh, the worst thing that could possibly happen to you as a Christian. In fact, it is the one thing that will show that you are a Christian. <laughs> um, uh, let's look at verse 34 to 36. Um, and, and I think this is a, a helpful point for us. Let's just have a think on this for a minute. Um, it, in verses 34 to 36, Jesus actually says that such rejection is closer than we think as Christians. Such rejection is closer than we think. He says this, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Um, if you take that first verse, uh, do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've come to bring peace but a sword. It's one of those verses, isn't it, that can easily be ripped out of context to say that the Bible encourages physical violence. Yeah, but the context is clearly the opposition the disciples themselves will receive for their association with Jesus. They're not dishing it out. Jesus is actually interacting with the wrong expectation common amongst Jews of a Christ come commander who'd stuff the Romans and establish a Jewish nation. What they wanted was someone who'd kick out their enemies and make life easier for them. And Jesus comes and drops an absolute clangor here. He says, I haven't come to bring that kind of peace. The sword I speak of isn't one of holy war or call to arms. It's not liberation from your oppressors, but actually uh, suffering under them. <laughs> Separation for those who follow me. A painful walk. That's pretty surprising, isn't it? Following him will always provoke some kind of response. And in some cases, it might just mean fierce opposition. And the most painful and difficult to face will be from within your own family. The most painful, the most difficult to face will be from within your own family. And Jesus says that him and association with him, well, it will divide parents and children. They won't see eye to eye. And it's such that even such threat and attack can come from within the household. He says that enemies can come from within the household. So such rejection is closer than you think. And it is a big thing to think when we think of um, people within a, a Muslim background coming to faith. Um, putting their trust in Jesus is more than just saying, I believe in Jesus. Um, and actually, as they 
want to brightly share their faith with with others, that's going to involve persecution, isn't it? And it's going to involve persecution for us too. It's worth us just getting that clearly in our minds that actually rejection isn't optional for a Christian. We don't, we don't uh, like go looking for it, but actually, it isn't optional. Rejection is coming. Um, so, and also here, it does sound a little bit like Jesus is. Uh, we don't want to get him wrong on what he's saying here, because actually, cults operate on the principle of removing people from existing relationships. Jesus isn't actually saying that his followers must themselves leave, but he is saying that they might be asked to by people in their own household. He's not saying walk walk away from your family. He's saying they might actually not want to see you. Um, and that can be really painful. Um, we'll have a chance to talk a bit more about that um, on Tuesday and have to perhaps have, have, have some thought of what that might mean for us. Um, it's good if we can ground these things. I really, I was really encouraged by Zach, who said um, on Tuesday, uh, actually, people potentially people could cancel you on on social media. I didn't actually know what cancelling was. I'm not up, up on that kind of terminology, but apparently, you can sort of delete someone from all of your social media and treat them as if they're dead. And Zach was t- teaching me about what that means. Um, so actually, I was really encouraged that he was thinking this through for himself of what it would mean um and that's what we can do together um let's let's think about how they responded and um, the disciples whether they listened to what jesus is saying here whether they really got what he's saying here um in acts verse four nineteen, um they say this whether it's right in the sight of god to listen to you rather than to god you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard and later they say we must obey God rather than men. And they accepted and received the trouble that came from that. They accepted and received the trouble that came from that. But you know what? In 5 verse 41, chapter 5 verse 41, write it down. They left the presence of the council, having all this happened to them. And it doesn't say with their tail between their legs, thinking they'll never do that again make that mistake no they left rejoicing they left rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name they were they left rejoicing they they thought this is a confirmation from god we belong to him and we're counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of jesus they got what jesus had been telling them here that belonging to him is better by far. Being willing to acknowledge him and face rejection simply confirms that they are his. They got the logic of heaven as well, didn't they? Jesus' upside-down kingdom that we heard about in the Beatitudes. Remember, you know, blessed are those who are poor, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. It's upside-down, isn't it? It looks, looks a bit weird. But a kingdom that's summarised well by verse 39. Have a look at that, verse 39. It says this, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's upside down. What looks like great gain, and here it's ever approval from others, is in fact great loss. And what looks like great loss 
to face rejection from others, which everyone would say that's the worst thing ever, where it's actually great gain. Great gain for me because I know that the Father acknowledges me. And great gain for the gospel because people will hear and be saved. Uh, That's what Jesus says in verses 40 to 42. He says, whoever receives you receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of the least of these little ones a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. Truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The father will receive anyone who receives the messenger and the message. The father will receive anyone who receives the messenger and the message and they will get this this reward, this same reward that they have, the, the, the same reward as the messengers, the prophets, God himself. Eternity with him. And uh, actually, this is really encouraging because if you look at that very last verse, verse 42, even if someone just offers you a cup of cold water, which really isn't very much, there might be just this little sign that someone is welcoming Christians or welcoming uh, the message that, that you bring. It might just be someone saying, uh, do you, you know, yeah, I'll go for a coffee with you. But actually, that's we shouldn't we should be rejoicing in that <laughs> because actually it's an expectation of God's salvation starting to take place in their life. Though anyone who offers even a cup of cold water because he is my disciple, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. That's great news. So why? Why is it such a great thing? Uh, because uh, we get to see that we are his followers um, and we get to see that people will come to know him. Uh, they will receive the reward too. Um, and that really is the main motivation, isn't it? That people would come to know him and receive the same reward that we have. Uh, the hope of eternal life. Uh, well, what does, what does this mean uh, for us? Well, if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, uh, see that the great discovery is that Jesus says there's something greater than approval of the crowd. Uh, There's one whose opinion matters more and he is available for you. You might never have thought that possible, but Jesus says it is. And it's a sure and certain promise. And maybe you've been one of those people who's been persecuting Christians, just hassling them on their back making life miserable. Jesus spoke to a guy called Paul, uh, or Saul, as he was persecuting, killing Christians, and he says, you're persecuting me. Saul, you're persecuting me. See that actually your response to Christians is, is the same as your response to Jesus. And that's important. Well, perhaps you'd say you're a Christian, uh, and rejection wasn't part of your plan. In fact, it's probably come quite as a shock as you've heard it this evening there's a lot of people aren't there who say uh, my faith is private Uh, it's between me and god it's private i I don't see any need to tell anyone about it Um, and yet jesus doesn't really leave room for that here does he Um, he says that actually rejection or acknowledging him before men is what it means to be his follower And those who have received that gift will want that same gift for others and want to share it with them.
even if it means suffering from it. Uh, what if you're a Christian here? Uh, well, I said, didn't didn't I at the start that um, <laughs> it's okay to be fearful, to think you're a coward, but actually we've got a great God who we can come to and pray to and ask him to be the one who would strengthen us, give us boldness. Um, join in the prayer of the disciples for boldness. Ask God to write these wonderful comforts of a father who acknowledges us on your heart. That when you suffer, you wouldn't stop, but you'd see it as privilege belonging to Jesus. And desire the, uh, more the same wonderful reward for others than their approval of you. Um, so maybe there's some people you can think of where you think, I wanna, I'd love to desire more that they'd have this reward rather than they'd approve of me. Make that your prayer for someone else today. Uh, why don't I pray? Um, and then we'll have a little bit of time. Uh, I think it would be good to have some questions from this, um, but we'll do that in a moment. Father, in light of what we've just heard, may we be those who acknowledge you before men, suffering rejection for their good and for our rejoicing. Amen.